0: Welcome to Three Yards Per Carry, a podcast covering the Miami Dolphins and the NFL. Now, here's your hosts,
1: Chris, Alf,
0: and Simon.
1: Miami has the Dolphins, the greatest.
2: And we're on, and welcome to a victorious edition of Three Yards Per Carry, although you wouldn't notice it if you've been reading Twitter all day today. But I have Simon Clancy here with me, and I will have Chris Coffin for the second half of the show. Simon, how are you doing?
1: Good, man. How are you? Uh,
2: I'm great. Now, Saturday night, we seem to have the analysis of this fight right down pat until the part where Tyson Fury gets up from the dead in the 12th.
1: Yeah. To like the Undertaker,
2: decision that he probably should have won. Well, I'll let you take it away. You tell me what you saw in that fight.
1: I mean, uh, there was no, I uh, don't he was a probably about it, really. I mean, I, I, I'm a big fan of Paulie Malinaggi as a as an analyst. I think Paulie had it right. I mean, he said it was outrageous that Fury lost, uh, that Fury didn't win. Um, and I think he's right. It was, um, I, I thought it was a dominant performance by Fury, showed his boxing nous, uh, his intelligence, his ring craft. Uh all That we talked about in the you know this time last week when we previewed the fight. Um, yep, Wilder knocked him down twice, and that the, the second knockout seemed, um, to be decisive, especially coming so late. And you know, guys on lactic acid kind of you know, trying to hold out until the end of the fight. Which you know, Fury's got to go into that round thinking, just stay on my feet, and I you know, I've won this. And even if I get knocked down, as long as I get back up again, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, um. I'm going to win anyway. Um, it was a great punch. It was a great combination punch. And, you know, he looked down and out for the count. I mean, he looked like he was knocked out cold. And then all of a sudden, he gets up like like the Terminator. And the the look on Deontay Wilder's face as he's sort of celebrating and doing that kind of the quick walk. And then he sort of double takes and glances over and sees the man getting up. And not even on shaky legs. He's getting up. And within 10 seconds, he's got his hands behind his back, sticking his face in Wilder's face, going, hit me, hit me. So. You know, more more credit to him for getting up off the canvas because I think everybody just thought he was absolutely out. I mean, that's um that takes some resolution to get up. But uh, you know, I, I thought it was a bit of a joke, frankly. I think that the the judge that scored it one fifteen, one eleven, should never work again because it was just, it's just embarrassing for boxing. And I said we we talked about this last week, didn't we? And I said, you know, uh, it's going to take. I essentially thought it was going to take a knockout for, regardless of what happened, for for Fury to to win the fight. Um, and I think he probably won 10 rounds to two, maybe nine rounds to three. But I, and I don't even think it was close, frankly. Um, so, yeah.
2: Yeah, I agree with you on the nine to three. I think nine to three, and I'm being generous because I would say that the seventh round was a decent round for Wilder. But what I thought was really impressive was after he gets up like, a, like the Undertaker at the, in, the, in the 12th round, he throws a left cross that stops Wilder dead in his tracks. I don't know if you remember it. Right after, yeah, do, yeah. as soon as he got up, yeah, he threw a jab and then he threw a left cross, and the look on Wilder's face is like, "Okay, I'm just gonna hold on and just hope for the best." And sure enough, he got it. Just like Evander Holyfield robbed Lennox Lewis, and Lennox Lewis made note oh. of it in, on Twitter. It happened again. You know, a, a, when you cross the pond for a fight, either if it's the a, an American fighter going over there or a British fighter coming over here, there's gonna be funny business because the promotion nobody wants to see the promotion go away and if Tyson Fury had won that fight decisively the next fight had to have been in england so oh and
1: i, I think if there was a rematch it should be in england anyway i think that's you know, i agree it, with you
2: cuz tyson fury kind of only... yeah tyson fury keeps going everywhere he he went to, exactly. Germany to fight Klitschko, we to, and now he exactly. can to la to fight uh, wilder
1: yeah exactly. it I mean,
2: should be in england but i suspect that it won't
1: well put your money where your mouth is john you know and get over to england and you know let's uh, let's see what really happens when you, you you face an english crowd and you know because I, I don't think there'll be any hometown decisions in terms of you know i think it would be a much fairer decision um I you know agree. if um if the fight was on was held in the uk or on neutral ground you know i think uh you know it's the same is he going to because if he doesn't want a part of if he doesn't want any part of fury he's not going to want a part of joshua you know cuz joshua would take him out um i don't think anthony joshua wants any part of tyson fury at the moment either no i mean because in terms of in terms of boxing skill in terms of you know you look at current fighters you look at gennady golovkin his golovkin is a devastating hitter but he's also his ring craft ability is phenomenal his way of shutting off angles of neutralizing attacks his way of dominating the center of the ring is you know it is probably the best of, you know, pound for pound, the best of any Boxer. Tyson Fury is very good at ring craft. He understands what it takes to get through a fight and the ways with which you win it. Because he's not a knockout artist, never has been. Whereas Joshua is a knockout artist who doesn't have the same level of ring craft. And as has been proven in the past by Derek Chisora, by Klitschko, uh, recently by the New Zealand fella whose name completely is Joseph Parker. He can, he can, you know, he can get caught, Josh can. And Fury is the sort of guy that is intelligent enough to catch him. Uh, uh, so as good as Joshua is, I, d- I don't think that's a fight that will necessarily happen, but there we go.
2: Yeah, well, I bet Wilder by knockout and for about the count of seven, <laughs> I was already counting my money. Then I saw him get up and I was like, okay, <laughs> I just lost I mean, because no that's the decision here.
1: I'd but, still be asleep now. Yeah, but tell the
2: people how they could have also joined me and lost some money on that fight with our great sponsor, well, Exactly.
1: That's sponsored sponsor, DSI, who have been with us now for 182,000 weeks, which is great. Um, the NFL and NCAA seasons are coming to an end. Four weeks of the NFL regular season left. Only the bowl game bonanza to come after the college football playoff. And uh, Ohio State thinking they had a chance at the college football playoff was the most ludicrous thing ever. You don't lose by four touchdowns to Purdue, six and six Purdue and think you should be in the playoff. Sorry, that's just lunacy. Anyway, sorry, Buckeye fans. But it's quite, it was conference championship weekend. We're heading into the bowl season. Twenty years online, great reputation, and to help you get started, they're offering you double your money on your first deposit. So, deposit now, start winning, and get two and a half thousand dollars for free. Double your money from the get go. When it comes to football, they have every wager you could want or imagine. If it's happening in sport, Bet DSI will put a line on it. NFL, NCAA, Major League Baseball. When it comes right around, basketball. It's- it's getting towards, you know, March Madness is just around the corner. I mean, it was the summer a few weeks ago. Now, all of a sudden, it's Christmas. Um, boxing, if there's a Wilder Fury rematch, UFC, the Premier League. So join today using promo code YARDS101. That's YARDS101 to get in the action and get paid. Enjoy the games that much more when you play at BetDSI.com.
2: Well, the Dolphins are 6-6, six and six and <laughs> they win a game. But you go on Twitter, and people are angry, Simon. And I don't think it's Twitter. It's it's on the radio. Everybody's just angry. They're they're overcome with anger over this result.
1: Now, I'd love like to know what they're actually angry at though. I mean what what, what do people want? Do I have people, no idea. But I, I genuinely I genuinely don't understand it. I genuinely don't get I, I mean I, 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 listen, I get that I get that Miami fans are disillusioned by years and years of mediocrity. I totally get that. I've lived it with you. 34 seasons I've been living it. You know, one playoff appearance since 2000 is not good enough. It's unacceptable. And it looks like we're careering for another sort of eight and eight, seven and nine, nine and seven season and probably missing the playoffs. But I don't get it. You know, people were saying, oh, I'd rather, you know, somebody tweeted me today to say, I'd rather have us looked great on offense and still lost. (laughs) <laughs> really?
2: Well, I did really? a I did a poll once on the three YPC account and I asked that very question. I asked, win six to three or lose 4542. And 4542 didn't win, but it was really, really, really close. And I don't mm-hmm. think those were just people trolling. I think a lot of people actually believe that.
1: I mean, I had somebody else today. I mean, I've had lots of people today messaging about I had an interesting conversation with Omar Kelly. He was clearly up early this morning. We were messaging back and forth on Twitter 10 or 11 times about different things, and we were agreeing on all sorts of different things. But then people were jumping in as they woke up talking about, you can't use injuries as as an excuse. and And We've had this debate before. We've had this discussion before. But look look at Miami's receiver call yesterday. Yeah, Devontae Parker, who's missed five games this season, maybe six games this season, five games. Kenny Stills missed two games, okay? We're without Albert Wilson. We're without Jakeen Grant. Danny Amendola, we're without. So essentially, the five receivers that we started the season as our main five guys, all of which are either on injured reserve or have missed significant time this season. Yeah? Yeah. That, that's one thing. We lined up yesterday with Kenny Stills in the slot, which is not a position he likes to play. Bryce Butler, who two weeks ago was a healthy free agent, probably working at a, I don't know, whatever... Yes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But exactly, you know, who ended up catching four or five passes. Parker, who's clearly not healthy, still playing on the shoulder injury, toughing it out. Leonte Carew was out there for a, for a bunch of snaps. Isaiah Ford was thrown to once. Isaiah's been on the practice squad for what, two years since he was a seventh round pick out of Virginia Tech. I, I don't know what people expect. Look, I know there's issues with the offense. I know there's some issues with the play calling. I but I, I, I just, I just don't get it. I, I don't understand people's mentality. We won the game, and people were going, "Oh well, you know, if if Charles Clay had caught it, then well, Charles Clay didn't fucking catch it. That's the point. <laughs> yes. that's the point. If my mum had balls, she'd be my dad. You know, it doesn't make any sense. It's like saying, you know, if if the referee in the snow game when Charles Woodson sacked Tom Brady and forced the fumble. If he called the right, what would the what would the Patriots' legacy be like if they'd made the correct call? Well, we don't know because they didn't make the correct call. The Patriots are now on five Super Bowls and been in nine of them. We don't know. You can't second guess everything to suit your narrative. It's like saying, "What if this had happened?" And what? Well, it didn't happen. So therefore, we're six and six. And Joe Shad, the really great Joe Shad, um, the beat writer on the Palm, or the writer on the Palm Beach Post for the Dolphins. Tweeted today about you know given everything that's happened to be six and six is is quite a story and we've been criticizing the team for you know weeks and weeks and weeks but actually when you look at it that team is something's happening in that team players are playing really really hard players are not tanking the season which is another terrible expression but players are not giving up players are playing hard for Adam Gaze you know they've been outscored by something like you know 500 points or something or not 500 points but they've been out yardage by like 2,000 yards this season in terms of the, the 12 games they play and yet they're still six and six something is going on there and it is coaching do you know what I mean the, somebody is coaching the ass off this team and it's not just special teams do you know what I mean because the special teams unit are brilliant and Dan Riz is doing an amazing job but something else is happening somewhere because those guys are playing really hard for a head coach that they clearly believe in. And most teams that are struggling like the Dolphins would be pretty much tanking it in. There's a couple of teams, like the Giants. What's the Giants play yesterday? Giants played hard for Pat Scherler. Whatever happens to Pat Shermer at the end of the season, they're still playing hard. They're not giving up. Barkley's playing hard. Sterling Shepard's playing hard. Alex Ogletree's playing hard. Eli Beckham, they're all playing hard. Yeah? Yes. Look at, look at Jacksonville. They're not playing hard. for. I know they beat Indianapolis yesterday, but the last four or five weeks, they're not playing hard for Doug Marone. They're not. You know, say what you like, they're not and playing. Green, for Bay. Green and Bay. Green, Green Bay. Bay stopped playing. For, they stopped, I mean, not stopped playing. Because, look, anyway, we've been in professional locker rooms. You know what happens. You know, I've been in a number of them across, a, or a lot of them across a lots of different sports. Defeat, regardless of how you feel about your coach or your trainer or whatever, is something that professional sports people cannot abide. I've sat in locker rooms next to Jarvis Landry when he was a Dolphin at Wembley Stadium. 20 minutes, he sat with his head in his hands after, they, after we lost to the Saints. Where, to the point where Brett, Brett, the press officer, I think it was Brett, the press officer, had to come in and say to him, dude, the, the bus is literally leaving now. Everybody else had gone and he was sat. Don't tell me that players don't care. Don't tell me that players want to tank. Uh, nobody wants to tank for Tua Tungavailoa or for Jake Fromm or whoever, because they don't know if they're even going to be on the same team as Tua Tungavailoa because they may have been traded. They may have been cut. They may have been all these sorts of things. Tanking is not an issue. If you went into a, to an NFL locker room and said to Cam Wake, dude, Next season would be great. Why don't we just tank and then we can get to it? You get chucked out on your ear. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Well, I'm quite keen to talk, and we might talk about this later in the week. I'm quite keen to talk to you two boys about, so Connor Orr at MMQB wrote a very interesting piece the other day about the least exciting franchises in the league of which i think miami was either the second least exciting or the third least exciting and i read the piece and it was a very measured piece and the the point that he made was that the dolphins don't have any stars they don't have anybody interesting on their team you know most teams are you know most teams that are in the spotlight and the ones that are talked about on sports center and on you know nfl game day and the nfl network and those sorts of things are teams that have you know a quarterback. So, regardless of winning the Super Bowl, the Carson Wentz's, the the Jared Goff's, the Aaron Rodgers, the Tom Brady's, all the you know teams with quarterbacks are immediately talked about because that's just what happens. Whenever we go on national television, we end up shit in the bed, so we become a bit of a you know a mockery. So nobody talks about us. We're having an all, we've got a cornerback who's having an All Pro season, and Xavier Howard. Nobody really knows about because nobody really cares because we're mediocre mediocrity personified. Mm-hmm. The most exciting and in inverted commas player on our team is, is a 36-year-old running back having an, another career renaissance in Frank Gore. Ultimately, we lack a superstar. We lack somebody that's going to, even when Jarvis Landry was here, you know, to all intents and purposes, uh, as good as he was and as hard as he would, he was a slot wide receiver. Yeah, we're not talking about AJ Green or, you know, or um, Keenan Allen or, you know, Julio Jones or any of those guys. We're talking about a slot receiver who caught a lot of balls for, for not massive yardage, but, you know, was a really good player for us. So my point was, do you think that, and not just to have a star player, but do you think that to give this team some sort of identity? Because I tweeted this morning about the fact that we are a pretty dull team. We we're a pretty average team and and we're average because we have so many injuries i i take that but Le'Veon bell is out there he's sat out there do you think that the miami dolphins and i'm playing devil's advocate here this is i don't have an opinion particularly on this do you think that miami should would could investigate bringing in Le'Veon bell who's now a free agent for next season just to give the team some sort of focus some sort of direction some sort of superstar that you can kind of build around because there's not really any blocks to build look we've got two great left tackle. we've got two great tackles left and right or you know james's you know in terms of right tackles is, is is good enough you know wilson looks like a good player jakeem's a good player amandola's definitely a keeper Kelly steele's we all like the, something's going to matriculate and turn out with those tight ends you know that's going to happen we all love drake gore's still clearly not done oh, The quarterback is a completely different question. We've got two great cornerbacks. You know, Jerome Baker looks like a player. There's some mix and match on the defensive line. Vincent Taylor looks a player. Godchild can perform. Uh, The defensive guys and Gase seem to love Charles Harris. And actually, you know, that's another conversation. But there's there's stuff there. There's building blocks there. But it it lacks a big name. It lacks an emphasis. Do you think, my question to you and to Chris later on, do you think that Le'Veon Bell would be a player that Miami would be interested in who could give us a bit of something special that we've lacked for a long time
2: well I've, they're gonna have the cap space to be able to do it now if they do make that move they're gonna have to make them the highest paid running back in football and if as soon as you do that then you're you're robbing Peter to pay Paul you're gonna need to spend some money on that offensive and defensive line and that might hurt it now would I be for it Possibly, and I'll tell you why. I think it'll refocus the offense on what I think they should be. If they're going to go with a Teddy Bridgewater or if they're going to draft the guy and just play Ryan Tannehill in his swan song year next year, which I think could happen because he's quietly putting together a decent season. He has has career highs on a bunch of categories right now. And I don't know if he's going to get the touchdowns because he has 13 right now and he missed five games but he's going to push to over 20 touchdowns and he only has six picks and his yards per attempt are at 7.6. He's going to have at the end of the year numbers that if he went out on the open market, he'd be the highest, he'd be the most sought after quarterback in the open market. Yes. Over Teddy Bridgewater. So would I go after him? I would, I would. And the reason, the only reason I would really is because I think it'll refocus case to throw the ball to the backs feature a running back, which he should have been doing with Kenyon Drake all year, because good things happen the more Kenyon Drake touches the ball. Mm, the good. evidence has been clear, okay? Now, as far as, like, you know, star power or or whatever you want to call it, I think Albert Wilson was well on his way to being one of those guys that was going to be on Sports Center every single week.
1: But he's not going to be – he's not going to make us part of the national com- – with the best will in the world. No. He's not going to make us part of the national conversation, is he?
2: No. No, he's not. He's not, a, he's not what I would call a signature player. Uh, no. I've used that term before. The Dolphins, do they have a signature player? They had one in Cam Wake. They had one for many years in Ricky Williams while he was yeah. not the best player on the team, Jason Taylor was. Then Jason Taylor was a signature player, even while Zach Thomas might have been a little bit better but Zach Thomas wasn't because Zach Thomas played a position where there was two other guys that got all the
1: media coverage. But ultimately Um, we still wallowed in in mediocrity at that point, didn't we? Yes, we did. So it didn't make any difference. I'm just thinking of what is going to, what is it going to take to put us back on a national, on a national scale, on a a national scale of relevance where we're discussed by, you know, it's not when our Michaels and Chris Collinsworth are shooting the breeze during a commentary, as they do so wonderfully you never hear us talked about unless it's, you know, beat the Miami Dolphins. It's never, you know, they never discuss, you know, the merits of Ryan Tannehill as opposed to, or, you know, if they talk about, if let's say Joe Hayden made a play in the game last night or when Derwin James made a play and talked about great rookie defensive players this season, Minka Fitzpatrick wasn't mentioned. Yet Minka Fitzpatrick is having as good a defensive season as any rookie out there. It was Leighton Van Der Esch and it was Derwin James and it was a couple of other guys. There was no mention of Minka. So, yeah. The, the, the narrative around the Dolphins, nobody cares about the Miami Dolphins. <laughs> yeah. What's it going to take? Is it simply that it's a quarterback thing? And that once... Because let's just say for argument's sake, like we draft Tua to Tonga-Vailoa next year, okay? Or in two years' time. Does that change the narrative around the Miami Dolphins? Because everybody's like, it's like we've drafted Baker. You know, if we drafted Baker Mayfield, would the, would the narrative around the Dolphins be more of national excitement? In that, ooh, they finally made the move and they have got the guy. This is now. This is the guy now. You know, because yeah. we never quite believed be in Ryan shiny. Tannehill.
2: Something yeah, it, shiny and something new.
1: But what, what is it that's gonna? I, I don't understand what it's gonna be. Like Peter King wrote a piece. So Peter King, who's been very critical of Ryan Tannehill wrote something today in his column about, you know, congratulations to Ryan Tannehill, hell of a win over Buffalo, five, five touchdowns, one interception since he returned. Great job or whatever, being sincere. Um, But then he spoke about the, in his piece about green, in his, the earlier part of the article, when talking about Green Bay, he was talking about the the obvious need for an offensive minded player to come in and, you know, for the final four, five, six years of Aaron Rodgers' career. So the incredibly important decision that Mark Murphy and Brian Guttenkunst have as, you know, um, in trying to find somebody who's going to, you know, essentially win a Super Bowl with with what's left of Aaron Rodgers, which is still a lot. Um, but he mentioned, you know, it's very difficult at the moment because lots of the offensive-minded coaches are already now, you know, with other teams. And he mentioned Sean McVay and Kyle Shanahan and Matt Nagy and three or four other people. But Adam Gaze's name wasn't mentioned. And you just think, are we that irrelevant that people just don't, I don't know. I just, I just think it's intriguing that we're just see, we're just one of those teams that sort of f- flops around in the middle of, you know, we, we we fluctuate from six and ten to nine and seven pretty much, and nobody really seems to give a shit. We don't have really any players anybody gives a shit about. We're never really mentioned on any of the, you know, it's like it, it, so. Peter Schrager sometimes mentions us on GFMB or GMFB or whatever it's called, but I don't. We never part of the conversation i just don't under, i don't understand it and i don't know what it is that's going to take it to get back there they're going to have to get a signature well,
2: player like you said like a, label okay. a bell probably
1: disappointing isn't it that that's what it's going to take that you know we just can't well, be judged for...
2: press, yes but remember that here in the states there is such a thing as a northeast bias and when i say a northeast bias is you know i'm, I'm not really coming down from the mountain with the tablets on this if you go to espn <laughs> They're headquartered in Connecticut. All their producers are Patriot fans, Jet fans. Look at the coverage the Jets got for the first three weeks of the season. Look at the coverage that they got. After- but then
1: they drafted Sam Darnold, though, to be fair.
2: Exactly. But they turned Sam Darnold into the savior. He was going to be Joe Namath. He was on every single show. And while the Dolphins were 3-0, and they never got mentioned. Ever. Mm. They, they kept talking about everybody else, including Sam Darnold. Okay. Because I remember the, the highlight package after the Dolphins beat the Jets. They were showing Sam Darnold throws yeah. while he was down 20 to nothing. So, yeah, it's going to take a, a signature player, but they really have to start with what they do well. Joe Shad asked, how is this team six and six? Well, there's two simple explanations. Uh, first of all, their passer rating differentials at plus 4.7. Oddly enough, the mark of the average playoff team is around 6.2. So they're falling just short. Right there is your 6 and 6. Now, they're also plus 8 in the turnover differential. So they create turnovers, and they're pretty good efficiently throwing the ball and stopping the other team's quarterback. That's what they do well, and that's why they have 6 and 6. Now, they don't do much else well. They don't have a sledgehammer run game. They don't really stop the run uh they they apply pressure as of late but they don't get sacks their special teams are very very good so that's so I'm basically describing a mediocre team so, so here's, a,
1: here's another question for you then um do you think for example because I often wonder about our like draft picks and that if they were on other teams or vice versa like if Derwin Jones played for the Dolphins would Derwin James have been as good as he is now? If Leighton Van Der Esch had been drafted by Miami, would he be having the same season in Miami as he's having in Dallas? Do you, do you see what I mean? Like, Mike Gesicki, we only seem to run one route with Mike Gesicki, which is a post route. We don't seem to run him on crosses or anything like that. Yet, I, I kind of feel like if he was playing for a team, another team, he'd have like 40 catches. I mean, you know, I, I, there's clearly issues with Mike Gesicki, but I just wonder why we're not just, making some bread and butter throws with him uh, those sorts of things
2: uh, I don't know it's uh I'll, and I'll take them one by one if you want uh yeah, Derwin James I think he'd be I think he'd be great here because Minka Fitzpatrick is great here now Van Der Esch I don't think he'd be good here and I'll tell you why uh I happen to like the Dallas Cowboys a lot if if I know a lot about the Dolphins the team that I know the second most about is the Dallas Cowboys and I told you guys on the podcast uh two weeks before it happened I told you I thought that New Orleans' last stumble for the rest of the year was going to be against Dallas. I thought they would lose that game to Dallas, and they ended up losing the game to Dallas. I really like that defense, and he plays with a lot of good players. Jalen Smith is a hell of a player playing right now. And he gets to learn from Sean Lee, and they have Rob Marinelli over there who, yes, he was 0-16 as the Detroit Lions head coach, but he's widely respected as one of the best defensive coordinators. So he has a very good support system to be good, and he is good.
1: Like, I don't get that James Conner would be good in Miami. Do you know what I mean? It's like I watched Pittsburgh last night. And I mean, I know Roethlisberger, you know, Roethlisberger is fucking good. And I don't think he gets the respect that he deserves, mainly because of the rapey accusations. Accusations, he didn't do it, potentially. (laughs) Maybe he did. Allegedly. Allegedly. And because he's a bit of an arsehole, right? I mean, that thing last week about, you know, I can criticize who I like. You, you can't really, buddy. I mean, be a teammate, not, you know. Like when you threw that pick to, to Derwin James, whose fault was that? But anyway, he is really fucking good. I mean, really good. Then you look at like smith Shoot. Would Juju Smith-Schuster be as great a receiver as he is? And he is a great receiver. If he was, if Miami drafted him in the third round, would he no, be as great?
2: Quarterbacking. Uh,
1: he, he quarterbacking. He'd probably catch about 14 passes a season. But realistically, he wouldn't catch half the passes he does. You know, uh, would, would, would we have developed Antonio Brown, a fifth-round receiver out of Central Michigan? Would we fuck? Would we fuck? We wouldn't have done that. We wouldn't have done that.
2: No. And it's mostly due to the quarterback because somebody from – I forgot which, who it was. I think it was Chris Joseph of the Balls Cast called Ryan Tannehill vegetable lasagna which is perfectly fine as a meal, yeah. but it's not sexy. <laughs> you know what I mean? Maybe and,
1: that's what it is. Maybe we're not sexy enough.
2: Yes, and that's who Ryan Tannehill is. Like, Ryan Tannehill Ryan Tannehill's not bad. No, well, he's not bad. He's not and great. Never, and he'll never be bad, but he'll never be great. And I think that's the problem. Uh, I think we have a coach that's trying to coach to be great, and he just doesn't have the horses, especially now with all the injuries. But I think he might not have the horse at quarterback either.
1: And but then, do you think the horse is out there? Because people took Cubicle Geek messaging about Teddy Bridge. Teddy Bridgewater's stock has gone through the roof by not- virtue of not playing. All of a sudden, no. Teddy Bridgewater has become fucking Joe Montana
2: mm-hmm.
1: circa 1986. Do you know what I mean? It's like he isn't that good. He had half of a good season, he was fairly mediocre the, the season he got injured. And all of a sudden, by virtue of not playing, he's all of a sudden become really, really good.
2: Well, no. he had a very, very good stretch.
1: Right he had before. a good, yeah, he, a, he, he did.
2: But, that suggested that he was on the come-up, that he wow. was on the way. He was on I'm, the, not,
1: I'm just not sure. I, what if we sign Teddy Bridgewater and he turns out to be gash or no better than Ryan Tannehill, just a bit more immobile Ryan Tannehill?
2: Then you, you basically postpone, you know, the inevitable for two more years and you probably ruin the window that they've created with some of these good young players. Like do, you think they'll, Howard and Larry do you think
1: they'll cut Tannehill?
2: I, you know what? i've come around on this i originally thought that they would try to trade him if they couldn't you know if not they would just cut him and then replace him with a bridgewater and a draft pick but i'm not so sure i think the more i see it i i think we're headed to toward a season where ryan tannehill is going to be able to point to his numbers and even to a win total because right now he's four and three okay let's say he he has four games left. Let's say he wins three out of the four and we go nine and seven. Well, he's going to say, Hey, I'm seven and four. I don't care what the other guy did. I went seven and four. Why wouldn't you bring me back? They'll just draft the guy, maybe a drew lock and then bring back Ryan Tannehill for one more year. And then I think that will be his last year because they're not going to invest in a first round quarterback and then not play him. you know? Give me your game balls for this game because it was a
1: victory. Although nobody knew it was. Uh, Yeah, exactly. For this loss, uh, I'm going to give game balls to to Kenny Stills because that was a hell of a catch. It was a hell of a a throw, actually. It was a hell of a throw and a hell of a catch. Um, And I just like the way that Kenny Steels toughed it out. I love how the commentary team, Andrew Catalan and James Lofton, clearly worked really hard, actually. Uh, in their meetings with the players, and in ter- terms of talking to people about the team, because they understood the narrative around Kenny Steele's and what he'd said in terms of "I can't throw the ball to myself" and how he'd been. How, you know, people use that excuse all the time. I was taken out of context, but clearly Kenny was taken out of context. And everybody, you know, there's so much respect for. There's so I don't know that there's many players in, around the NFL that that aren't superstars that players have so much respect for. And I know that the Dolphins team has a, a huge amount of respect for Kenny Stills as a player, but. More so as a person. Um, and I, I just think he, I'm really proud of Kenny Steele's and everything that he stands for. And uh, I thought it was a hell of a catch. Uh, who else would I give a game ball to? Definitely not Ted Larson and definitely not um, Jesse Davis, who were absolutely atrocious at one stage. I mean, at one stage, for four quarters, frankly. Um, I thought that um, Howard and Fitzpatrick were brilliant. Jason Sanders, by the way, what a kicker he is. I mean, what a kicker he is. Let's go back to rewind to the narrative around um, the draft when people were going, Oh, he only made 11 of 42 kicks. He's te- he's this, he's that. We should have drafted the fat Eddie Pinheiro or Michael Badgley or Jason Sanders is absolutely ridiculous. Apart from the fat lad who's knocking him through for the Giants every game, who is ridiculous, by the way, um, Sanders is as good as there is in the NFL. I mean, apart from uh, T- uh, Justin Tucker. The fat lad from, um, from the Giants and, and Sanders, I can't think of a better kicker in the league. It's ridiculous. He's absolutely insane. We did nothing yesterday to get a game ball. I just, you know, <laughs> my game balls would be Howard, Stills, and um, Fitzpatrick.
2: Yeah, I'll give, I'll give mine out right now, and I'll give one to Larry Mutantil. He allowed his yeah, first pressure golf. in three weeks, and he allowed it to Jerry Hughes, and he allowed it on that touchdown pass to Devontae Parker. It's pretty good when we're talking about he is, he is allowing his first pressure
1: Three he's so nights. good he's so he's, good
2: he has not a lot of sack this year and it's to the point where we expect him not to allow anything every single if he week
1: if he doesn't make the pro bowl it'd be an absolute disgrace he's so good
2: yeah i said earlier today that we have four pro bowlers on this team and that is Xavier howard larry me matt hawk and walt akins who made another mm-hmm. special teams play yesterday
1: I don't think Aikens will get it because I suspect that when it comes to voting for special teams players, the fans have got no idea beyond Matthew Slater because Matthew Slater gets in every year, even though he got in last year, having only played four games. So, um, I would strongly suspect that, disappointingly, Walt Akins won't make it because nobody knows who they're voting for because it's literally just a list of names that people do not recognize. It's like, who the fuck is this guy? Who's who's this guy? Who's this guy? I mean, he plays on my team and I don't even recognize his name. Oh, there's Matt Slater. He gets it every year. He must be brilliant. Therefore, click. Do you know that Jakeem Grant is not on the uh, return list for the Pro Bowl? I voted the other day, and I voted fairly as well, but Jakeem was not on there, and he was the Associated Yeah, he was the, he's the only guy with a kick and a punt return touchdown this season, of which there's only been five punt returns all season for touchdowns. Um, and he leads the league in return average. But he's not on the list, bizarrely. I wonder if it's because he's on IR and therefore can't play in the game. But anyway, that's pretty disgraceful.
2: Yeah. And my other game ball, because I'm only giving away two. Xavier Howard already got one. But I'll give my other game ball. I already gave one to Larry Mutonso. I'll give my other game ball to Kiko Alonso for giving us some great comedy all game trying to chase a guy who's evidently a lot faster than him, which mm. which is kind of scary. Which kind of tells me, yes, we got to get this guy the hell off of our team as soon as possible because yeah. he is way too slow. Especially since we're going to play this kid going forward every every know, year right? twice.
1: You can't keep running around like that.
2: No, I don't. I don't know if he can or not. Well, we got to get out of here. But first of all, Simon, do you want to say anything to Giancarlo Navas of the Miami Heat?
1: Who? <laughs> What are you now? I mean, who? <laughs> N- literally never heard of it.
2: <laughs> okay. All right. That's it for this week. We're going to go to break right now. When I come back, I will have Chris Kaufman.
1: But don't first... let him don't let him bang on about Josh Allen either.
2: Oh my yeah. God. He's going to be incessant. Yeah. Yeah. That's I mean, going to be insane. It's going to be it's going to be two hours and fifteen minutes of him talking about Josh Allen.
1: His sex, his sex texting last night about how Josh Allen was like the next Frank Tarkenton. I mean, well, I almost,
2: was Frank I almost
1: muted. I almost muted the group. It was just like, <laughs> oh my God, you're not dating him, dude. I was like, this is just a big fat running back who can't throw. <laughs> I mean, That's tell great. him that. Tell him that, the big fat running back. And whilst oh, I'll I, go. Google who this Navas person is, is <laughs> it Gwen Stefani on the Heat Beat? Is that his name? <laughs> Gwen Stefani. I don't know. All right. Bring on on Kaufman. I'm done.
2: All right. (laughs) All right, Simon.
1: Cheers, dude.
2: This week on the Five Reasons Podcast, we put out four new episodes with John Krasinski on the Jimmy Butler Miami Heat trade talks. There are people within the Wolves organization that think the Heat were as responsible for that falling apart as the Wolves were. With Tom Haberser on the NBA. I was introducing Eric Spolster, the coach of the Miami Heat.
0: And I say, hey, Eric, this is uh, my boss, John. John, this is Eric. And Ira walks by and goes, oh, congrats on your new job, Tom. Another one?
2: <laughs> what, next week? Next week, you're gonna have another one? With former Dolphins quarterback, Sage Rosenfields on his post-playing political work.
0: Well, after I retired, I counted how much money I had. I knew what my budget was. And I, at one point I realized I had few money and I didn't give a f- what people <laughs> thought about what my <laughs> politics were.
2: And on the Dolphins win over the Jets. It is
0: the worst offense in Dolphin history. They had guys named Dick Wood playing quarterback
2: <laughs> before Greasy got here. Literally, his name is Dick Wood. Look it up. He's not, he's that's all, he, that's he's not an, true. Catch this and much more on the 5 Reasons podcast, available in the same places you're listening to this podcast. Hey, this is Seth Levitt, and I am here with two-time Miami Dolphins team MVP. Seth,
1: Seth, Seth, man. They already know this is O.J. McDuffie. Why don't you tell them what we're really here for?
2: We're excited to join the crew at the Five Reasons Sports Network to bring you our new podcast, The Fish Tank,
1: Dolphins' Tales from the Deep. O.J., tell them what they can expect when they dive in. Yeah, Big Seth, we've got some of your favorite all-time Dolphin players in the tank sharing some of the best
0: stories that you've never heard. So it looks like Sasquatch because he's <laughs> is chasing it. Because
2: you, you know Izzo with his clothes on. Huh? He's so hairy, that guy. <laughs>
0: Wait, why are
1: you looking so, at me like I know, yeah, Lizzo no, Seth, know Lizzo with his clothes off? Seth
2: with his clothes off. So make sure you find the fish tank on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, or if you're one of those Android people, Google Play Music, or on several cross-platform apps, including Podbean and Stitcher. Thanks for diving in. And we're back on Three Yard Perry. I have Chris Kaufman here, and before we get into all the questions. That Simon Clancy has, namely about the fat quarterback that can't hit the broadside of a barn, as he says. I have to mm-hmm. introduce you once again to our newest sponsor, and that is Auto Nation. Since Auto Nation is America's largest automotive retailer, chances are they have the vehicle you're looking for. Shop for over 100,000 new cars, trucks, vans, and sport utilities. From the luxury of a Mercedes Benz to the Chevy pickup truck you always wanted, they've got it. AutoNation helps finance over 430,000 people every single year, and you could be next. Get a great rate today. AutoNation strives to make the car buying process quick and easy, but most of all, stress-free. In addition to an extensive selection, all pre-owned vehicles go through a rigorous 125-point inspection and come with an everyday low, no-haggle price. One price, no pressure, guaranteed. Start your search right now at AutoNation. Dot com. And like I told you last time on the pod, you need a Chevy truck. You live around the Pines area. Hell, if you live anywhere in South Florida, go to the Pine store at 8600 Pines Boulevard. Their phone number there is 954-357-0524. And you can even see the manager there, Aldo Romero. He's my friend for over 30 years. Tell him that three yards per carry sent you. All right, Chris. Well, you heard it up top. Simon, not impressed by a quarterback that ran, according to next-gen stats, 812 yards to gain 132. I came you know- away extremely impressed by Josh Allen. Uh, if you've been a listener of our podcast, I trashed Josh Allen in our draft special. I was not a fan. I haven't been a fan. You all- both
0: did. You both did. Like, yes. Pretty hardcore.
2: Yes, and I haven't been a fan all year. I've seen him play a couple of times. I came away a little bit impressed at watching. I watched like a quarter of the Minnesota game, and yeah. look, he looked pretty good in that game. Yeah, I saw most of the that Jaguars. was one of the
0: few. I mean, he he hasn't had a great year. I mean, this is this is a rookie year for him.
2: Yeah, and I saw a little bit of that Jaguars game, and I didn't think he was all that great. I yeah. saw the entire yep. Dolphin game. He was yep. terrifying okay
0: terrifying is a is the right word i'm probably terrifying for some of his own you know coaches and teammates at times because you know he's wild but um but yeah I, I, I agree terrifying
2: now what i would say is this he keeps running around like this he's gonna take a hit and he's gonna take the wrong hit and that's gonna take away one of his biggest weapons because but you know he does have I, some accuracy issues. You got to
0: wait wait a minute though uh, on the, on the hits thing yet. Yeah, you have to be careful here is this isn't Robert Griffin running around and taking hits like that. Okay. This guy is humongous and strong. I mean, this is Cam Newton running around and taking hits like that. I mean, and cam that's what they said about Cam Newton when he came out because you know, he runs around, he gets, he takes some hits And, uh, and it's like, yeah, but he's also six foot five and 250 plus pounds. I mean, he can, he can take a beating because he's so huge and strong and big. And that's what Josh Allen is. I mean, he's, he's that big and strong and, and a lot like, you know, Cam Newton or Ben Roethlisberger. So I'd be careful. It'd be like, you know, the hits are going to pile up because they haven't done so with Cam Newton yet. I mean, they never did with big Ben, Ben Roethlisberger is still playing. So, I mean, I don't know.
2: Well, going forward, I think we all, we can all agree, Baker Mayfield's having a very good rookie year. He threw a pile of picks on Sunday, but yeah. who cares? He, threw, he did throw for 397 yards, and they had no business being in that game unless it was for him. I, mean, I, I, Landry, I had way. him starting in fantasy. <laughs> okay, and, and Jefferson Landry, by the way, who had a hell of a game for the first uh-huh. time, like, in weeks. So... Let's Good put friend. Baker Mayfield aside. I think we all agree, all three of us agree, he's the best of the bunch.
0: Yeah, every, every one of us was, was on that train.
2: Okay, now we've seen the rest. Can you quickly rank them?
0: I, 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 think, I think, yeah. I mean, I, I would rank them much the same as I did back then, which is, uh, which is Baker Mayfield number one and Josh Allen number two. And then, uh, and then Sam Darnold and Josh Rosen. And um, although I would probably flip in this case, Josh Rosen, because I think he has been legitimately better than Sam Darnold. And, um, and then, uh, and then, you know, Lamar Jackson kind of pulling in the trail. And I understand people get a little upset about that because, you know, his, his team is on a three game win streak. But I think that you know they're probably doing better around him than any of the other teams are are around around the uh, the other rookies Uh, and, and yeah even even better than say cleveland is doing around baker mayfield they're doing better around him than um to you know to to help him out and to and to make sure that it's understood that he's limited you know all these guys are rookies right now all of them are having accuracy issues if you look on them if you go on a pro football focus and you do you you sort down by the um their true accuracy percentages which is where they throw out stuff like batted passes they throw out stuff like throwaways and they throw out stuff like drops and, and stuff like that they do the true accuracy and um and you look at the the list from top to bottom Who's at the bottom of the list? Well, yeah, Josh Allen's at the bottom of the list. Who's at the bottom of the list with him? Sam Darnold, Lamar Jackson, Josh Rosen. I mean, the four of them are right there, you know, back to back to back as the the worst four in the league as far as accuracy is concerned. And that's why, like, you know, people get really binary about this accuracy thing, like with Josh Allen, and it's really interesting, like – he's either accurate or he's not accurate. And it's like, well, that's not really the case because we're talking about, you know, one guy who's 64% accurate versus another guy who's 66% accurate and another guy who's 68% accurate. And it's like, you know, there's, there's, but there's none of that. There's none of that with these people. It's like, no, 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 no. It's ones and zeros. You know, he's accurate. He's not. And it's like, well, that doesn't really make sense. And it's not reflective of reality either. So um, I think that, you know, the Josh Allen is having a rookie year. Sam Darnold is having a rookie year. Um, Josh Rosen is certainly having a rookie year, and Lamar Jackson is having a rookie year. And and Baker Mayfield is kind of having a rookie year, but maybe just a little bit better than that. And um, and that's that's the way this draft class is going. But I know in this game, Josh Allen. I don't I don't really trust people to accurately, you know. Uh, contemplate what Josh Allen is doing on the field because you couldn't throw a stone without hitting 17 people that absolutely hated him coming yeah. out of the draft I mean that that was that was just the reality of the situation so every time he throws an in, incomplete pass it's like oh that's his accuracy issues and and he's he's terribly inaccurate and stuff like that I was like well what about that third quarter touchdown he threw to you know Zay Jones that uh that Zay Jones dropped like he was you know he was open, he hit him right on the hands, and it was uh they ended up you know kicking a field goal or something like that and uh and that one was dropped. What about that um that incredible pass that he had for the go ahead touchdown to zay Jones uh in the fourth quarter, and you know the follow on two point conversion, which was more of a screen and then and then no no play is more reflective of the the bias I think than the final play of really the bills you know their their final uh their final try to win the game with uh charles clay in the end zone now everybody's focused on charles clay and how alone he was in the end zone you know why he was alone in the end
2: zone because he was running around for 11 seconds that's why
0: yeah he was he was running around for 11 seconds making three guys miss over and over again and he was on the other side of the field Okay, Josh Allen had scrambled first. I think he scrambled right and then left and then right again and then left again. But by the end of the play, he was scrambling to his left. All right. Josh Allen is a right handed quarterback. He was scrambling to his left. And Charles Clay was all the way at the right side of the field. That's why he was all by himself, because, you know, you're scrambling left and you're trying to throw back to the right. That doesn't happen. I'm sorry, that just doesn't happen, and no, that's and if what you Josh. Watch
2: the play, and if you watch the all field, uh, if you watch the the uh, the footage of the entire play, the oh. entire field, you can see Bobby McCain not trusting that Josh Allen had the throw to get to that corner, and that's he right. kind of softens up his coverage because he thinks that the ball is coming short to Zay Jones, who was trying to leave Xavier Howard at that moment, mm-hmm, to mm-hmm. try to come up to around the five-yard line. And you see that Bobby McCain is actually indecisive. He's like, okay, I know I'm supposed to go pick up Charles Clay over there, yeah. but there's uh, no quarterback on the planet that could get the ball there. That's right. So, and that's years so of maybe, training.
0: So, maybe, <laughs> so maybe, That's years of training of him saying,
2: I've never seen a guy that does this. So Yeah, and he's really thinking – and, and I know that what he's thinking through his head. I don't want to get into his head, but – uh, you know, he's a professional athlete. He's a, he's a good player. And he, he's a thinker. He's not a, he's not a dumb yeah, yeah. player by any, by any any stretch of the imagination. But you could see him process in his mind, you know, Zay Jones is actually leaving Xavier Howard here, and he mm-hmm. can pop open around the 10-yard line or around the 5-yard line. I better That's start right. thinking about picking him up mm-hmm. and maybe even yeah. picking off the pass. Because but he, at that moment, the ball gets the thrown. The, at that moment, the ball gets thrown, and Bobby McCain on his face, I can't see it because he has a helmet on and he has a, the shield, but he had to have been absolutely terrified as he saw, my mm. God, the ball was going to get there.
0: And that's why thats why the players after the game were all gushing, absolutely gushing about Josh Allen, because it wasn't just that throw and the terrifying way that it ended. It wasn't just, you know, that that he ran for however many yards, 800 yards to try and get 135 yards. Um, which by the way, that ratio isn't that's a six ratio. And just to put that in context, and I was talking to Simon and, and you about this earlier, is it's not it's not that otherworldly really if you think about it, because running backs commonly have a ratio, if you follow next gen stats and you have for years as I have, they commonly have a ratio of about, you know, three, four, or five. For for yards that they run, total yards that they run, east west, whatever. For every yard that they actually gain on the field, mm-hmm. um, and and it's not just like I brought up Tariq Cohen to Simon earlier, and he was like, "Well, that's Tariq Cohen, okay?" That's you know, I was like, "Well, yeah, but Legarrette Blunt has the same ratio, just about as Tariq Cohen. It's four point nine yards he's run for every yard he's gained, okay? So it, it's not uncommon for a running back to have that kind of ratio, that five. And, and so, and the running back starts the playoff going north-south, right? The handoff. I mean, they're, they're yeah. starting the playoff going north-south. A quarterback doesn't start a playoff going north-south. He starts a playoff going backwards. And then he scrambles left and right, and then, you know, finally gains some yards. So, a quarterback to have a ratio above the running back is not at all uncommon. In fact, it's very, very common. It's what you should expect. And so, the fact that um, he gained 135 yards on the – on on the day which itself is the incredible stat you know the 800 isn't the actual incredible stat it's the 100 it's the 135 um you know that that you would apply a six multiplier to that or just a little bit above the five or four that you see with a running back is not at all weird it's not weird at all um and it's not unbelievable but anyway i mean getting getting back to that final play and uh gushing on and on about the fat running back um you know it's it's just If you look at that play, the ball did go 50 yards through the air. I mean, I I looked at it, and I I do this stuff a lot. So it went about 50 yards through the air, and it was, uh, you know, he was running to his left and then having to open back up and use his right arm to throw back, way back, all the way over to the other side of the field on the right. That's just a throw that doesn't happen. That's why Bobby McCain left. And that's yeah. why that's why uh, Charles Clay was wide open like that. So everybody's looking at, oh, it was a duck. It was way short. You know, he he should have he should have hit Charles Clay. It's uh, yeah. You try that. You see <laughs> who would have made it. You see who would have made that throw. Name the quarterback
2: that would have made that throw.
0: Pat Mahomes. And- Maybe Pat Mahomes. I mean that's that's a guy.
2: <laughs> and Aaron Rodgers, if completely healthy, because Yeah, Aaron Rodgers, maybe not this year. <laughs> yes, yeah, this year Aaron Rodgers has an issue for whatever reason, which yeah. is odd. He can throw going left, he can't throw going right. And I don't know why that how the he's uh, got a he's got a pain is. in his ass, and that's um that's <laughs> well that's the pain the in the ass got his fired coach. already.
0: Yeah. They, well, they
2: en- enough of Josh Allen already. No, uh that's true. Okay. But the biggest testament I can give to Josh Allen right now is that this is a guy that we had to game plan for eight years. I'm pretty, pretty certain of that.
0: Yeah, and it sucks, doesn't it? I mean, yeah. Yeah. I mean, if he's going to play like that. Now, I think there are mistakes. If we're going to get in a game review here, right? And we are. And, and we are. Uh, that's what we're paid to do. If we're getting in a game review, I would say that the Dolphins left a lot on the field for because because this is a rookie, and he's not that – he shouldn't be that hard. You've seen it in other games. He hasn't played well. No, um, it shouldn't be that hard to get him, and I think the Dolphins made it harder, a number of ways, and you know one of them is they didn't blitz him enough, and they're and part of that is because they're caught up on this um, on this wide nine style and how the defensive line should be able to handle everything themselves, and um, and yeah that's true, but at the same time you're doing that with two undersized sort of undersized defensive ends who can, you know, who can – got a big, strong guy like Josh Allen, and, you know, maybe he can shake free of some of those guys. And, um, and, and they couldn't handle it themselves. They couldn't really handle it. He held the ball longer than anybody in week 13. I mean, he held it for an average of, like, three and a half, you know, even before he scrambled to, like, look on pro football focus. It's like 3.5 to 3.7 seconds or something like that on average. I mean, he held the ball forever. And they didn't blitz the man, but, like, maybe 11 times uh, out of the – and they got two interceptions on, on the blitzes. But um, one of them, by the way, one of those interceptions was a Hail Mary at the end of the half. I know people are like, oh, he threw two interceptions. It's like, that was a Hail Mary at the end of the half, dude. Um, so, anyway, yeah, I mean, they didn't blitz him enough. They didn't blitz the guy enough. You want this guy to make hard decisions. He's a rookie. His head is spinning. You know, fuck him. I mean, there there were easy things that he fell into all the time. I watched every Wyoming game. Okay, I saw I saw those mistakes. I knew what they were. And you could you could watch that film and you could de- and you could design a defense to to trick him too. You could, Alf. Yeah.
1: <laughs> Simon, well, I can, could. I'm, I a,
2: could. <laughs> I'm a great I'm a great defensive coordinator. That's true, Chris. I forgot. <laughs> <laughs> but let me let me get to that to that point to back you up. First of all, let me, let me give a little bit of props because I, I, I ripped him on the podcast last week. Robert Quinn, he yeah. has this knack for playing a hell of a first quarter and then completely disappearing for the rest of the game, and then you don't even know if he played at all. Opposite. Uh, okay, it was the opposite in this one. <laughs> he was bringing it all second half. He I heard th- you. I think that, yeah, he might have heard me. I think that he got juked a couple of times because, let me say, uh, Josh Allen was dead to rights like four Mm -hmm. or five times. That offensive line is terrible for Buffalo, okay? Mm -hmm. And Robert Quinn could have had four sacks Mm -hmm. if this guy is not so strong and so quick to just change the angle. And all of a sudden, now Robert Quinn is just bumping into Cam Wake. In fact, one time he almost murdered Cam Wake Mm because he was coming for a a beeline for – Josh Allen's blindside, and Josh Allen like sensed it and, and just like dropped the ball down into a runner stance and just took off. And Robert Quinn was like, "Oh my god!" and almost slammed right into Cam Wake. He you know made how many, hell of a game.
0: The, the do you know round. how many? Do you know how many pressures on uh, Pro Football Focus registered for Miami's defense in this game? I do not know. Thirty-eight. Wow. <laughs> in a single game. 38 and that was that was on 45 uh, I believe on like 46 sorry 46 pass plays they registered and that and he had 38 pressures on that that is pretty that's pretty good that's a pretty bad offensive line too but that's pretty good on us right I mean that's but you know and part of that is like I said he was holding the ball for like three and a half seconds and and he was like you know hey I'm I'm daring you I want you to pressure me because I'm gonna, I'm gonna scramble out of it and extend the play, and that's what I really want. Because he's probably not reading the
2: defense very well. And let me say another thing, uh, poor Sylvester Williams. Uh, <sighs> since we signed him, he's been actually a decent performer. You know, you can't you can't really expect much off the street. But if you remember that podcast that we had, and we talked about them trying to solidify the defensive tackle position after Vincent Taylor right. yeah. was put on IR. I told you, you know what? Sylvester Williams is a guy that could have easily been signed in the offseason and would have made our, mm-hmm. our defensive tackle rotation. He's a nice player. He mm-hmm. also played a great game. But that one play where he just stares down Josh Allen and thinks to himself, I'm murdering this guy. And Josh mm-hmm. Allen just swipes the ball across his face. And <sighs> Sylvester Williams falls flat on his face. Uh that was just. I felt so bad for him because he saw that sack. It was the easiest sack in his life. Mm-hmm. But this guy is quick. That move that he made, and they kept showing it on ESPN. It, it was an, It was an insane move.
0: Yeah, because I mean, well, that's somebody on the defense said that afterwards um, when they're when they're gushing about Josh Allen. They were like, you know, he's not just sneaky athletic. He's just athletic.
2: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely.
0: Well, um, but you know who, speaking of those defensive tackles, Sylvester Williams, you know who I kept noticing over and over was Ziggy Hood, actually. And that that was not expected. I thought this was just going to be a dud of a signing. And, um, and Ziggy Hood was popping up all over the place.
2: Well, uh, he was big angry number, as hell. And, yeah,
0: big number 97.
2: Yeah. <laughs> who used Ziggy to be Jordan. Hood, <laughs> like sometimes a guy, because I, I don't know how long he's played in the league. I think he's played 11 years, I think. Mm-hmm. And Ziggy Hood, in the second quarter, made a tackle on Shady McCoy, and Shady McCoy slapped him across the face. And Ziggy <laughs> Hood got up and told the referee, did you see what, what, what he just did? And the referee's like, ah, keep playing, keep playing. I didn't see anything. And Shady McCoy must, uh, said something to him, and that lit a fire under his ass. Because no, for the rest of the game, he played a violent football game.
0: He did. You're right. Uh, Which tells me that somebody a good, has to go and
2: slap game. all our defensive players in the face before the game. I, I wish they them. were all
0: that motivated.
2: <laughs> yes. So, yeah. Now, let's get a little bit deeper in the game and get past Josh Allen. We all agree. Uh, well, we don't all agree. We Simon, don't all agree, but. Simon called him a fat running back. I came away very, very impressed. But I do want to see more, by the way. I'm not, you know, I'm mm. not a Josh Allen fan. Yet. Right. I have to right. see I mean, him. I have to see him. The had one year. Yeah.
0: One you know game. what's
2: going to be key? The last game of the season, although Buffalo might be tanking. They might be just, they might be, you know, waiting for their tea time and <laughs> seeing what they do with that first round pick. Well, but, so, so might we. Yeah. It was Well, yeah, that's true too. Although Adam <laughs> Gates, I think, is going to want that win total up. You know yeah, what I mean? Because no, he's at 500. You know, if he has a chance to go 7 and 9 or 8 and 8, I'm pretty sure he's going to be pushing for that 8 and 8. He doesn't want to hear that he's under 500 all off season. You know what I mean? Yeah. And if he has a chance for nine and seven, you better believe he's going to try to get that nine and seven and then hope that six or seven or th- other things fall into place and we get into the playoffs. True. But, yeah, I would like to see him do it again. That last game of the season, Josh Allen does that again to us, then, yeah, we got That's a right. problem. And let's get yeah. into that right right away. We already talked about Buffalo's offense and Josh Allen. Mm-hmm. In my opinion, I think he has to do it again. And. hmm Pretty much beat us. I think he has to beat us the last game of the season and play well for me to, you know, start anointing him as the guy that we have to worry about for the next eight to ten years. Although All I suspect right. that we might have to because he showed me a lot in this game. But the Dolphin offense, a lot has been made. 175 yards. It sounds pathetic. It is pathetic. I told you on That's WhatsApp <laughs> they had four really good drives yeah. and the rest was crap. It was. How does that happen? Because it's not supposed to happen that way. Usually when you're crap, you're crap for an entire game. You're not brilliant on four drives, and then you're absolutely garbage the rest of the game. What did As, you see that was going wrong for them?
0: I, You know, it's kind of a microcosm for how Adam Gaze's offense and his team plays in general, though, because, you know, what they have, and this is how we have these arguments, on on not on WhatsApp, but, on uh, you know, with, with other people on the network and, and on Twitter and stuff like that. You know, how, how can the Dolphins be 29th in offense and 29th on defense and be six and six? You know, that those things don't match. And
2: well, I explained it, it, I explained it in the first half. They have a plus eight turnover ratio and they're plus 4.7 in in passer rating differential. So they're kind of good against quarterbacks and their quarterbacks are kind of efficient. So, well, I mean, the, six the, and six.
0: That's, a good, that's a good point, but also they're just totally inconsistent game to game. Yes. right I mean that what they, what you get and just like in this game they 're totally inconsistent drive to drive, so I mean what you get in one game is not going to be what you get of the team in another game, and they've they 've done this consistently for three years now, and you think that we 'd all learn is that they 're going to have a game where the offense is working, but the defense is not, and it 's just enough to win or they 're going to have a game where the uh, you know the offense is not working. But the defense is really working and they're going to win the game or they're going to have half the games or, you know, a little bit less than half the games where like nothing is working and they get completely blown out of the stadium. And because of those games where nothing is working and they get completely blown out of the stadium, it makes their cumulative statistics look pretty bad. And you, you stack those up with the games that they do win and then you're like, well, how no, no, this this shouldn't work. You shouldn't you shouldn't be winning these games. It's like, well, ask the teams that they beat. On that day they were good enough to win. <laughs> I mean, that's that's the way it is. They're just yes. they're really in if I if I had to, you know, throw something at Adam Gaze and say, you know, what is this shit? You know, why why is your why are your teams like this? It would be the in, it would be the inconsistency. And it'd say, why are your game plans so incredibly inconsistent? Why are you? You know, because because what you see, and, and we've talked about this before, how they start off the game slow. Although this was like the second game where they um, they finally scored touchdowns on the first drive of the game, but um, but they start off pretty slow, and then the offense keeps getting better and better and better and better as the game wears on, until finally it's at like an average level, and then it keeps getting better until. You know, they're at an above average level through the end of the game. That's the way Adam Gase's offenses have worked in Miami for three years. And, you know, at some point you look at that and you're like, okay, you're a good in-game adjuster. We know that. But why do your game plans suck ass so much? I mean, why do do you come into the game with poorly scripted plays, with bad game plans to where you have to adjust your way out of it and into – actual offensive like real average offensive efficiency somebody's got to ask him somebody's got to ask him those hard questions and he can't his answer can't be well you just don't know what you're talking about
2: <laughs> well it could be it could be that that his assessment of the talent that he has on this team is just you know it's wrong or it's off maybe it, it could be something something as simple as that now let's just put this game to bed because because simon had questions like i said uh-huh the other thing that got the most talk on Twitter, all right, we already saw one drive beforehand that got killed because Ted Larson decided to kill it, and then J.C. Davis said, no, no, I'm going to kill this drive.
0: Yeah, they're, they're beating each other to it.
2: <laughs> okay, which that, that, I'll I tell you the truth. I was at my bar, and I'm drinking a beer, and I'm watching. Actually, I wasn't drinking a beer at that moment. I was watching the game, and when I saw that drive, I was like, you know what, man, I want to I wanna, I wanna have a walk. I might go mm-hmm. take. I might walk my dog or something because <laughs> I was because that that drive starts off and Tannehill's on fire and then they mm-hmm. run Wildcat and Kalen Balaz gets eight yards and Kalen Balaz catches a pass, breaks a tackle, gets fourteen yards and then here come the penalties. Tannehill. I knew you were
0: going to be itchy just because Kalen Bellage had gotten in on that drive and actually done well, and then they got the penalty on top of that. I yes. knew because I knew you were going to be sensitive because okay. Kalen Bellage had actually done something.
2: <laughs> and then they overcome one penalty, and then Jesse Davis says, no, 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 no. You're not going to overcome a second one. Sorry. And I, I said it on an earlier pod, and I truly be- believe this. And I don't have the stats, but I promise you, listeners, in the offseason, once we get another season under our belt and we have another, a larger sample size, I'm going to dig up these stats of what happens to drives in the NFL for the last 40 years. i want gonna do ever since they had the 10 yard holding penalty. I'm gonna dig up what happens to those drives after you get a holding penalty. Well, the Dolphins had oh, yeah. two on this drive yeah. to kill what was gonna it was looking to me like a touchdown drive because mm-hmm. Tannehill was on fire and they were finding stuff from Balaj, which means that Kenyon Drake is resting on the sideline and he comes in fresh inside of the red zone. You know, linebackers are just gonna be in trouble. He's probably gonna beat them again for another touchdown. But that brings us to the other thing that was on Twitter where everybody was up in arms. They have a chance to ice the game with three minutes left. Third and one Adam Gase called a direct snap to Calum Balage. It mm-hmm. gets absolutely stuffed because nobody blocks anybody. Did you have yeah, a problem blocked. with the call?
0: No, not really. I mean, listen, a wildcat play is just a run play and that's that's all it is it's a run play and it's actually a run play that sort of makes sense in that you know you you've got you've got threats multi-directional threats or you're supposed to anyway and um and you know you're supposedly a numbers advantage if you're if your guys actually block um it's just a it's a it's a run play and actually it's a run play that i have always going back to 2008 2009 i have always liked on in short yardage especially I think that it's um it's it's a good and plus here's the thing like everybody loves quarterback sneak on on third and one and short yardage and I do too and I get really mad when I don't see it in it in somebody's playbook um and then they're doing all shotgun you know but at the same time uh Ryan Tannehill they've got to guard him Ryan Tannehill's shoulder is, is what it is still um and he's you know, I mean, he's not a delicate flower but he's getting beat up in some of these games and he's not at full health I mean sometimes I'm watching him throw and it's it's a little bit it's a little bit painful at times uh watching him throw in in some of these games not every throw but like some of them knowing what he would normally do on a on a pass and um and what he is doing instead so I mean they gotta guard him so I don't mind that play I, I really don't have a an issue with that and if, if you're going to take issue with that play that's i mean come on you're just opening the door for a lot of a lot of uh, stuff
2: then um, i have, one, so issue, I don't, I have don't, one issue with that play nothing i have one what? issue with that play it seemed like kellen belage was not allowed to throw the ball there and they needed to make them pay uh, that no. well i, that I wouldn't want to throw up the ball either <laughs> i would have I would, had multi-directional threats
0: but i wouldn't allow him to throw
2: why not he threw it in college because it's third and one that's third no i would uh, Bryce Butler I, was going to be standing there with nobody around him for 40 yards. He's a
0: rookie, he's a rookie running back who's played like a handful of snaps all year long. You're not just going to have him throw third and one, throw the football on third and one with the game on the on the line. If you're going to if you're going to do that then don't call the play to me. I th- I think he run you run the ball there and that's fine because the the, the Wildcat is a good short yardage play if if it's run cor- correctly and um and you know they just they didn't run it very well their offensive line was was garbage in this game we know that absolutely I
2: mean, and Ted Larson should never play for this team again this game, and Jake Brendel wasn't very good at center
0: and Jesse Davis was a walking tragedy I mean it was yes and you know what on that awful. on that big touchdown throw and I hate to say it but on that big touchdown throw to Kenny Stills you know the double coverage and what a you know, great throw. It wasn't a fast throw. It wasn't a throw that had velocity or anything like that, but it was lofted to just the right place. And it was, it was in Tannehill's wheelhouse, that throw. Um, what a great play, but Laramie Tunsil definitely held uh, Jerry Hughes on that play.
2: <laughs> yeah. Uh, and I thought he had a really good game. Cause he, he only allowed one pressure and it shouldn't yeah. be two, and probably But on that pass. play, but
0: on that play, I mean, maybe, maybe other people don't agree but on that play, I thought, you know, he, you throw the flag for holding, and I'm not, I'm not going to be like, oh, what was that about? You know, no, I'd be like, ah, oh, you know, yeah, yeah, that sucks. Well,
2: uh. enough of this game. Simon had questions, and he says that the team is seeming a, a little bit dull and that mm-hmm. they need to do something maybe sexy to spice up the team a bit and gain an identity. And the nearest thing that you can find is a, flashy new running back and Le'Veon Bell that he's a free agent in the offseason would you entertain it at all not even close
0: um I and I and I say that because you know in part and I'm watching this game you know the running backs are not let's not even say I don't even want to I want to be careful with my words here because I want to say the running backs are not the problem but that doesn't really describe it because the running backs were the strength of the team in this game to me yeah I I saw Kenyon Drake was playing with his hair on fire in this game uh and Frank Gore was still Frank Gore in this game I thought the two running backs you know whatever the yardage was and uh, it doesn't matter they played well in this game okay Kenyon Drake played well in this game uh Frank Gore played well in this game and so and and Brandon Bolden even got in there and And Simon and I were talking about this, you know, this Adam Gase thing that he does, where he's like, you know, oh, I've been waiting to get Brandon Bolden in there, you know. It's like you're the play caller, god damn it, you know. Um, You you have it's all up to you. If you want a guy in there, you put him in there. Um, But anyway, uh, the running backs were a strength in this game. That was not the problem. I think the problem was the offensive line. The problem was the offensive line sucked. The problem was that you had some other personnel in there that you know maybe weren't holding up their end of the bargain. If you want to make a splash, if you want to make a splash, then you've got to do it by trying to solidify the offensive line somehow. Um, that's how you, that's how you do it. Unless unless it's a like some sort of splash on defense, um, which I I don't I just don't know where where that is out there or what that would look like.
2: All right, that's it. There is no more. The next time that we talk to you guys, we're going to be coming, coming to you on Thursday and previewing the New England Patriots, a team the Miami Dolphins are 4-1 against in the last five years here in Miami. So this is surely going to be another win this week. And we're going to go 7-6. and six. But till then...
0: Thanks for listening to 3 Yards Per Caddy. You can subscribe via iTunes, on Podbean, or your usual podcast provider.